and Happy New Year. As Reverend Brandon reminded us last week, today is the first Sunday of Advent. We light the blue candle, it's, we and we restart our collective calendars. Advent is a time of waiting, of preparation, of penitence. It's meant to remind us who God is and who we are meant to be as well. Advent's call is to wake up, to be alert, to watch for his coming. He might be coming in the ways that we don't even know, that we might overlook, might miss, we might even despise. Now, Advent, on the other hand, is not the time we spend getting ready for Christmas. I'm afraid to say that, but let me repeat it. Advent is not the time for gift shopping and tree trimming and decorations hanging that leads up to Christmas morning. Now, I get it. I get it. I understand. At the end of another tough year, and, and isn't every year a tough year, one way or another, we all want to heed the siren's call of that Christmas song. We all need a little Christmas, just a little Christmas. I admit that I myself have fallen into the Christmas trap this year. We have, put a we have a tree up, although it's not decorated, if that's any consolation. I mistakenly put the manger out in, the front in our front yard nativity, where it was joined by more than a few Christmas lights. Now I pray to be forgiven for these sins, forgiven by God and by those of you who in this congregation hold fast to the Christmas tradition of putting up a tree on Christmas Eve and of placing the baby Jesus in the manger when Christmas is actually happening. You know, it's easy to lose Advent in the glimmer of an expectant Christmas morning. See, we're taught that all our lives. It's in the advertising, it's in the movies, it's everything. And the readings this morning don't make it easy to stake our claim to Advent, to rest and stop in this unique season. And especially in this new year, we're in year A now in the lectionary, when we feature Matthew's birth narrative. Today, we begin with the end. Then we work, work our way through John the Baptist and his brood of vipers. It's not until Advent 4 that we catch word of the baby Jesus, of Emmanuel, God with us. Now, Advent is a baffling season. When we begin with an end and a judgment, more about that in a minute, and end with a beginning, Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we rush toward Christmas, maybe, because it's easier, less confusing. But Advent can and should be a time to go deeper. Today's readings collectively call out for the day when God's wisdom and presence will be fully revealed. It will be a time of both tremendous hope and promise, but also a time of great judgment. The readings call for us as God's people to live in readiness for that great day to come. The Isaiah reading starts us off and really sets the vision. It proclaims a time when people will worship God and live in peace with one another. The famous line, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What could sound more wonderful than that? And then to go on, Romans. Romans in, in Romans, Paul tells us that he urges us to live, 
a way of life in full awareness of the nearness of salvation. He says, let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. I love that, the armor of light. Now you may know the root of salvation is salus, which means health. We'll be full, complete, whole, healthy when we live in the promise of salvation. So that's all good, but then we get to Matthew's gospel. And it seems to disrupt this wave of good tidings that we've been rolling in. It's about the end of times, not the beginnings. And it speaks to a word that the modern church finds increasingly hard to talk about, judgment. Like in Noah's time, people are going about their business and then suddenly, boom, judgment happens. Well, maybe not. In fact, that's not exactly what's happening here. You see, this scripture has been obscured in the church and in our society by a view known as the rapture. You probably know it, books and series like The Late Great Planet Earth and Left Behind, they've imprinted upon us and our culture a reading of this part of Matthew. They've given us the idea that folks will be plucked from the world, they'll be raptured, while the remaining sinners settle into a century of battle. But I don't think Jesus is talking about that here. He's talking about preparation. He's talking about readiness. In fact, he likens the coming of the Son of Man to Noah's flood and gives clear instructions to the disciples, and this is important, to keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Keep awake, be prepared, stay aware. Jesus is urging preparation, waiting, and hoping. And what appears like an end is actually a beginning, a time when something new will happen. The kingdom of God will arise like the prophet Isaiah promised. But there is judgment in there too, implicit in the winnowing of field workers, in the meal grinders where one goes and one stays, and, and of everyone, there's judgment. Isaiah again, spoke of God's judgment in all nations, on all nations, and arbitration on behalf of many against the few. Now, judgment finds no home in the dominant culture of Christmas. It's not featured in any Hallmark holiday special. There are no roving carolers singing about God's judgment. There's no baked goods that honor God's judgment. And this is a good thing. Because of the interplay of waiting, expecting, even fear that is baked into our season of Advent, we are here forced to recognize our shortfalls, our sins. It is a time of penitence. Now in her book, Speaking of Sin, The Lost Language of Salvation, one of our favorites, the Episcopal priest and theologian Barbara Brown Taylor, laments that we've lost our language of sin and, and with it, our hope of salvation. You see, a sin has been reinterpreted as sickness in medical terms or as crime in legal terms. The church has lost its language around ideas like sin and judgment, penitence and redemption. And she cites none other than Simone de Beauvoir who famously claimed that all sins are attempts to fill voids all sins are attempts to fill voids. 
So materialism or addiction or injustice and hate are all efforts to fill a God-shaped void in our lives. Brown, or Taylor claims that sin is, in fact, our only hope. For in recognizing sin, we finally recognize the problem. And then response to sin isn't punishment, as you would think, but it's penance. Repentance begins with the decision to return to relationship. Relationship to God, relationship to each other. And to choose a way of life that increases life for all. The church for Taylor is is a place of community as transformation, where members are expected and supported in realizing this business of new life, this new life in the kingdom of God. So you see, the church, our church, exists so God has a community to remind people who they are and what they are for, who we are and what we are for. The church has a place of meaning, of of fullness, of health, of salvation. We are called to assist God in the redeeming of this world now, not in some future end time, but now. God's kingdom is happening, and we have work to do. I suggest that we use this short Advent season to step out of the culture of Christmas chaos and instead to start, a simple, uh, to, start to practice simple disciplines, simple spiritual practices, those that fit into our busy lives, little experiments, if you will, to see how they might deepen our own spiritual life, how they may, might call us into greater action in the God-given task of redeeming the world now. Now, several of us continue to gather on most Sundays and and work our way slowly, very slowly, through the Book of Common Prayer. And little gems keep popping up, like forgotten prayers or turns of phrase that are somehow deeply embedded into our lives, into our psyches. The dearly beloved of the wedding service. The I am the resurrection of the life that opens our funeral liturgy. A couple of weeks ago, we were discussing morning prayer and how nerve-wracking it can be for non-clergy folks to be called to lead a full morning prayer, morning or evening prayer. And I shared what you might call a Book of Common Prayer hack as a workaround. I don't think they like that. So. It's the ghost. Yeah. It's also, I think, this this hack is a small. We're, is a small uh, spiritual practice that we can all adopt during this Advent time. And it's right there hiding in plain sight in the Book of Common Prayer on pages 137 through 140. 137 through 140. <laughs> Wait a minute. One thing had fallen, now three. Okay, I think we're good. Okay, yeah, go with that. can't write this stuff. So anyway, on pages 137 through 140, there are short practical devotions for individuals and families. And depending on the morning, on the, on the time of day, whether it's the morning or noon or evening or bedtime, there are these short liturgies. They can be read alone or together. And in just doing that, they, deepen, they can deepen our faith. So maybe choose one or several of these devotions to add to your prayer practice 
or maybe start a prayer practice with them. Now think about it, just for Advent, four short weeks, and just do that for starters. Try this little experiment or, or something like it and observe what happens. Do you find yourself with more space, maybe more tolerance, maybe a little less anger? Do relatively minor frustrations seem, well, maybe less frustrating? And what else happens? So be alert, stay aware. And if you're comfortable with your internal spiritual life already, as if that's possible, then maybe how can you find what might be called outbreaks of health, outbreaks of salvation in a sin-sick world? For example, last week's Thanksgiving dinner distribution was one such outbreak. Over 150 families were provided with meals and support. Thanks to your generosity and the work of a slew of volunteers, on Christmas Day, we'll do the same for Meals on Wheels. Next Sunday, Sing, uh, Sing Along Messiah promises to be a moment of health, an outbreak of salvation in the darkness of this world. Or find or start your own practice. On this first Sunday in Advent, I urge us to practice those little experiments that make us a better community, a better place to work with God in the redemption of all things to put on a new life. Today we begin again the remembering of the first advent as we look toward the second. We use this time to paraphrase the Apostle Paul. We use this time to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That is the light that leads us to our fullness, our hope, our salvation. Thanks be to God. Amen.